Hello, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Noid Lemon Podcast. I hope you had a great Memorial Day weekend. So in this episode, um, I am going to be talking about the Real Housewives of New Jersey. And I'm not just going to be talking about the reunion, which will, by the time you listen to this, have already been aired. And I'll give my thoughts about the reunion. But, well, I guess it would be just part one of the reunion, right? But I'm also going to do some deep dives. I'm going to do some deep dives on three people. Dina Manzo and the crazy shit show that's going on with that one, because you might not know. Frank Catania, because I feel like there's a lot of people, especially on TikTok, that are new to watching The Real Housewives, and in particularly The Real Housewives of New Jersey, which has been on for over a decade, and they might not know all that goes with Frank Catania, right? There's a lot of people that love him and think he's so great. And, you know, he's, his hands are pretty dirty, too. So we'll do a deep dive on him. Dina. Dina used to be a cast member on the show, if you don't know. And she had this crazy-ass story that's happened to her mainly since she's been off the show. And then the third person I'm going to do a little deep dive in is... Uh, Jacqueline Lorita. Okay, just what she's been up to. And she was also a cast member on the show, if you didn't know. And the reason why I chose these three is mainly Dina and Jacqueline. They come up in the reunion. Their names are brought up. And also during the, you know, uh, season here. And there might be people that don't really know the relevance and why we're talking about them or the stories that are attached to them. And I think it's important and they have really interesting deep dives. So I'm going to do that. And Frank Catania, because I personally never liked Frank Catania. All right. And there was this whole stretch of time on Housewives where everyone thought he was the fucking best thing ever. And people would give Dolores, because, you know, I'm a Dolores stan, Dolo for life, and I love her. And people would give her so much shit a few seasons ago, especially Joe Gorga, if you remember how nasty he was to Dolores, over not basically getting back together with Frank or giving Frank another chance or whatever. And (sighs) Frank is a dirty fucking dog. And I feel like people need to be reminded of that. He's a spit of a sleaze. Dare I say he is a sleazeball. Maybe he's grown older and with that you calm down your ways and so people think, oh, he's a good person now. But but that's just because his ass is old now. So he can't be doing his antics like he used to do. But, you know, I never liked him. I always felt for Dolores when she would talk about her story about how she had these kids And he was just never, ever there. He was just cheating on her left and right. And, you know, because Dolores is tough and she's funny and she's Italian, she talks about it in a way that almost diminishes what he did. But I think it needs to be highlighted because I had enough of seeing his face on that show. Bring on the new one, Paulie, which I hope to fucking God Paulie's okay. Because I don't like to hear that that motherfucker is still married. That is something that recently came out 
that is extremely disappointing and I don't like to hear that. And while I understand there are situations where there's like an overlap, you could be separated. I know, bitch, I was married twice. I know how that shit works. But I also didn't live with somebody while they were still legally married to someone else. That shit is messy. Uh, Especially if there's, I don't know if there's ever a valid reason, but the reason for, you know, Dolores, it's really, there's no reason. So anyways, we're going to get into talking about all this shit. I'm going to do these little deep dives and I'll do a quick little recap of the show. You could also go over to my TikTok. I talked about the, uh, I'm going to be talking about the reunion on my TikTok as well just briefly and uh let me know what you guys think you can send me an email uh annoyed lemon tt at proton.me or do a little message here on this episode and that's what we're going to do this episode and then next episode next week i am going to start the recap of elliot page's book which comes out june 6th i'm so excited to read his new book so his memoir all right let's get started So I watched the reunion. I watched the reunion last night. I came on here to record. I record in little sections throughout the week and here and there when I have a chance. So here I am. I'm recording. I watched it last night. Uh, basically, what I think about it is, you know, it was, you know, eh, meh. I didn't have the same feeling like I had when I watched part one of Vanderpump. That was like explosive and great. And I think the reason why I felt part one of this one was like, meh, is because so much shit was leaked. All these bloggers that I've been following for years and vloggers, new and old, they all they all know somebody that was at the fucking reunion. My sources, direct from the source of somebody that was there said, this is what happened. Bitch, why everybody got all these sources now all of a sudden ruining it? Because I feel like we got all the all the good parts about the whole reunion. We already fucking know from all these people spilling all this fucking tea. That's something that used to not ever happen before with these reunions. That's now happening. It's like a fucking epidemic going on. They better get a tight grip on that over there at Bravo. It annoys me. Anyway, so part one starts. Just do a brief little recap of, you know... I I said this on my TikTok too. I can't stand what every single one of them had on. It's 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 just gross. I don't like any I didn't like any of those gowns. None of those looks. If I had to pick one that like I'm hard pressed to even pick one. Maybe Marge's? I don't know. I thought I liked Teresa's, but then when I saw her walk out and it had a train and all, I'm like, oh, come on. Can we stop doing that? Why do they do these stupid ball gown looking things? Then they're all wearing some form of royal blue or gold because I know they come out with a theme, color theme. And then Dolores has on like, it's not a white, it's like a lilac. Maybe it was supposed to be like a light, light blue. I'm like, how does that fit in? Anyways, I just didn't like any of the the looks. So let's just get that out of the way. I know there's some people on TikTok that love certain looks. I saw some guy, when when the pictures were first released after the reunion was filmed, saying he loved every single person's look. What? Not me, but to each his own. 
Anyway, so we get into the reunion and I was hopeful when I heard both Teresa and Melissa say they just wanted closure and they wanted to do this in peace. But girl, I know that doesn't happen because I seen all the freaking footage and heard all the leaks. So we know that's just a joke of a statement. So then it's just immediate off the bat, starting back and forth with the ping ponging between Teresa and Melissa talking about, you know, cheating rumors and Louie was hurt and I'm the one that's hurt, Melissa says, not Louie and baby do 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 The one thing I will say, and I said this on TikTok also, is I think Andy did a great job of reeling it in, in part one. It seems like as the, re- as the parts go on, he loses control. But he begins by stopping them right away and saying, guys, we're not going to go there. This is a topic for later in the show. We're not starting out our first sentences arguing over this shit. And he, he stops. And he goes to Teresa, and they start talking about her. We get the call from Joe Judice, which was hysterical and funny. He don't know what's going on. He, could give two, he couldn't give two fucking shits about it. Drama-free, hysterical, loved it. I miss Joe Judice in a weird way. I didn't like how he used to treat or talk to Teresa. Obviously, he's got crooked things going on himself, or he did. But there was something about Joe Judice's personality that he wasn't wrapped up in the bullshit, and he didn't care if the cameras were on him. And, you know, we all have our shit when you lose, you lose, you know, we're not all camera appropriate we don't people don't live their lives like as if a camera's in their face right but then I'm you know when there is one you act different and I feel like Joe Judice acted the same whether there was a camera in his face or not said whatever he said and there's something refreshing about that especially when you have some people in the cast a lot of people in the cast that are a bunch of fucking phonies for the camera so anyways I miss Joe Judice that's my statement uh, we go to Dolores. Well, first of all, we learned that Teresa, there was a neighbor of Joe and uh, Melissa called, his name is Shane. I guess Teresa and and Shane thought each other were cute. They went out to eat a couple times, but nothing came of the relationship or it wasn't even a relationship. I didn't know that uh, because Teresa tried to say, you guys never did anything with me when I was single and by myself while Joe was away. And they said, that's not true. We took you out to eat with Shane and this and that. It was like a big art, you know, back and forth. So I didn't know that about Shane, but who cares really? Anyways, we go to Dolores and <sighs> Dolores, first of all, I was shocked to find out that the kids, her, her children Her son and daughter are still very close with David, her ex-boyfriend. I knew that they liked David a lot. I was a bit shocked to hear that they still had a relationship with David. Why? Why? Listen, at that point, I think I might be putting my foot down as a mother. And I might be like, you know, I know you are adults, but I got a new boyfriend now. Could just not be talking to the old boyfriend. It's a little weird. But then I find out probably why they still talk to the old boyfriend. And it's because we find out 
Frank Catania still lives with David, Dolores's ex-boyfriend. They had moved in together for a while when David was on the show and they were filming. Uh, David bought a house that Frank built. But they're still living together. I was shocked to hear that. So then that kind of makes sense why the kids still talk to David because their dad fucking lives with him. And if they want to go see their dad, they're going to see David. So he's a friend of the family now, I guess. But that's weird. Why is Frank always living with people? Why is he not living by himself? Strange. And then we get into the bomb that was dropped by Margaret initially. Margaret lets everyone know that, you know, well, actually, I don't know if by the time this was being filmed, if it was Margaret or did just, I think Andy just innocently asked Dolores, like, is he, how long has he been, you know, divorced Paulie, her new boyfriend? She's like, oh, he's not. Everyone's like, boo. And I think that, you know, we don't know all the little details, but let me just say this. That's not good. (laughs) It's not good. Like, it's one thing if you're dating someone and they're not divorced yet, they're separated, but it's not divorced yet. It's another thing, like, you're living together. If you hear snoring, I'm sorry, my dog's here. If you're living together, and not only is he not divorced yet, but Dolores says in the episode that he isn't even, wasn't even planning on divorcing her. Only now he's going to start with divorce proceedings because, you know, his relationship with Dolores is so close now. Now he's going to start. I don't like that. Now, some men don't follow through with divorce because... <sighs> They don't want to be court-ordered to pay a certain amount of money. It gets messy, divorce. So if you just live separately and stay married, you almost can sort of live in a, you know, I guess, peacefulish way. I don't know. Maybe he's doing it so he could still, you know, the tax breaks because they have kids together, girl. I don't know. But I don't like that for Dolores. And I hope it's one of those rare occasions where the man isn't divorced yet because he's just lazy and he didn't really feel, you know, like giving him the benefit of the doubt. But in most of those cases, listen, I've been married twice. I've said it before. I got married very young. I was 22, 23. And when I left, I was separated for, I don't know, the divorce proceedings began just like a couple months after I left. They took, the divorce took about eight months, nine months. We didn't even have a lawyer because we didn't have nothing between the two of us. We had a mediator who was in the state of uh, Florida. And we just split things. You take this, I take that, da, da, da. There wasn't fighting. There wasn't kids. It was pretty easy, I would think, as divorces go. There was no arguing. But it did take nine, te- you know, nine months or so. But it began very shortly after I left. Let's get this shit done. So these people that drag their asses on getting divorced, I don't know. Unless they're doing it for some kind of financial reason, that's why I can understand that. Otherwise, they're just doing, like, I don't know. Anyways, I don't like that for Dolores. I don't like it, Dolores. Get on his ass with that. And that's it. That's all we get from Dolores. She gets about five minutes of screen time. 
And we move on to Danielle, and basically we find out that Danielle, you know, brother still isn't talking to her, sent his gift, her gift back. She sent a gift to the brother for the birth of his new baby. He's like, bitch, I don't want it. Sends it back. Oh, God. And we put to bed this whole nonsense of fight between her and Rachel Fuda with the rat thing. They go back and forth a bit, and then finally Andy's like, this is boring, this is a stupid fight and it's boring. Can we stop? And they make a truce and decide to stop. Also, Danielle um, and Andy basically really points out, again, taking control of the conversation, how Marge overreacted with the information Rachel gave her. And Marge admits, oh, I guess I did watching it now. So that whole thing gets hopefully put to bed. Who knows? And then the rest of the reunion, this part one, is basically Melissa and Teresa going back and forth over whose kids hate who, or Teresa's kids hate Melissa. You know, Melissa and Joe, Joe never visited her in prison. But Melissa says that's because she, she name wasn't on the list. It was just like whatever thoughts came in their head back and they were just spitting it out. And finally, did they start talking about, I can't wait till I don't have to see you anymore because you're basically, you're not going to be on the show anymore. Oh, fighting. And then Teresa says, well, I was talking to Jacqueline Lorita and she told me you were dealing with my husband, my ex-husband's business partner, you and Joe going out to eat with him. Melissa laughs at that. Like it's some big lie and says, yeah, right. She's like, Jacqueline told me where's Jacqueline Lorita. That's what I want to know. Where's Jacqueline Lorita to say how she knows? I'm going to look it up, see if she's publicly said anything about it. And then Teresa blames Melissa. I think you're the one that called the FBI on me. Girl, I don't think it was Melissa. I don't think it was Melissa's doing because I don't think she's capable for many reasons. But I do believe the story that I don't know like going out to dinner with the old business partner of Joe Judice but for sure there's conversations because they're all twisted up with each other these people have all these connections with each other and I wouldn't doubt it at least past Joe Gorga to sit and have a conversation with Joe Judice's old business partner for sure how the fuck Jacqueline Lorita knows this shit who knows? It must be from back in the day. I think she's referencing, Jacqueline, this big conversation that Carolyn Manzo, if you didn't know, spoke about recently in page six, how she was there when the talk about calling the FBI went down. And she got up and she walked out of the room. She says she wasn't the one who called the FBI, but she knows who did. And she got up, Caroline said, and she walked out with her kids so I think that's what Jacqueline is referring to. There must have been some big conversation. Jude, Joe and Melissa Gorga must have been there. And maybe the business partner was there. I don't know. Maybe they said they talked to the business partner. I think this is where Jacqueline's getting her tea from. She's just divulging this information that the Manzos and the Loritas have been holding on to all these years. She's just spitting it out and saying, yep, I heard the conversation. We were all there. Girl, I told you that Manzo family ain't right. They're some, they ain't right. None of them are right. But anyway, and that's how part en- part one ends. Teresa accusing Melissa of calling the FBI. Melissa saying, are you kidding me? And everybody's like, oh. 
But again, there was nothing new. The only new shit I learned is shit about Dolores and some shit about, you know, Danielle and them close. Otherwise, oh, what do we learn? Uh, Rachel Fuda and, and her husband own a tile company or the husband does or whatever. And he, they gave the tile to tile Melissa's entire house. Probably as a thank you for getting them on the show or something. I think that's funny. Uh, also, Andy's messy, and he brings up the fact that everybody's criticizing Melissa's home that she's been doing forever. That was funny. But what else new? We didn't learn. I didn't learn anything new. I'm trying to think. I don't know. Nothing out of the, nothing that would blow you away. So that we'll see. As I think, the better parts we need to the parts with Louis and the private investigator shit. We need these parts to come out. Which, by the way. I made a TikTok about that Bo Deedle guy, how he publicly has come out and say that Louis, he never, Louis never hired him. And it was wrong of Louis to use his name like that. But now I'm coming to an understanding that the two of them are really close friends. Maybe he just did it as a friend. He never hired him, but maybe he did it like on the, you know, as a friend. Girl, I don't know. And what, I feel like we already know how crooked they all are. Maybe there's more we don't. I guess we'll wait and see. So that's it. Part one of the reunion I wasn't impressed with. But what I do want to do is a deep dive. I'm going to start out with Dina Manzo. Then I'm going to do Frank. And then I'm going to do Jacqueline Lorita. To bring everybody up to speed that might be curious on what, like, is even happening with these people. And I've... The Real Housewives of New Jersey, so I've always said this over the years. God, it's been on how many years? It's definitely over a decade, 13 years, something like that. These people, mainly it's focused on a certain part of New Jersey. New Jersey's a smaller state, but there's a big state. Like, it's big from end to end. I guess from the one end of New Jersey down to the other, it takes maybe three and a half hours from the top of Jersey down to Cape May. I mean, it's... There's a lot of different parts of New Jersey. There's a lot of different just, you know, demographics of New Jersey. There's beach. There's forest. There's farmland. There's mountain range. There's all, like, it's a lot. So this, where Real Housewives of New Jersey is located is, like, in this very small specific part of New Jersey, very close to where I live now. And these people really have all been intertwined in each other's lives in some sort of way. And because of that, there's these deep rooted situations going on. Like I'm going to talk about with Dina Manzo and it makes for great TV. You might think these people are criminals and sleazeballs in which they probably all are. They half of them have been proven to be, but it makes for good and entertaining TV. And as, as much as I'm sorry to hear about what happened to Dina Manzo, because she was one of my favorite characters when she was on the show. Um, it's also really fucking interesting. So I found that, you know, it's probably more interesting than the first part of the reunion tonight. So let's, or last night, let's get into what's going on with Dina Manzo. Here's the breakdown of the whole Dina Manzo, the Manzo drama situation for all of you that don't know that want to know or you want to refresh her 
Dina Manzo, just we're going to start at the beginning. She was one of the original cast members on The Real Housewives of New Jersey, along with her sister, Caroline Manzo. All right. And they have a lot of siblings, by the way. I don't know, there's like seven or eight of them. But it was Dina and Caroline that were on the show. Dina and Caroline married brothers. So there are two sisters that married two brothers, the Manzo brothers. One is Albie Manzo and the other one's named Albie Manzo is married to Caroline and Dina is married to Thomas Manzo. Okay. Those Manzo brothers owned the Brownstone together, which is, if you don't know what that is, it's a big, famous, infamous catering hall for weddings and shit like that in North Jersey here. Okay, I actually been to it a few times it's for all different types of events. No, I never saw any Manzos. So anyways, that's how it starts all those years ago when the Real Housewives of New Jersey started. Well, shortly after the starting of the show, I don't think it happened during season one. I don't know when. But there was drama between the sisters, and we find out that Dina and Caroline are not speaking to each other. And we, but we don't really get into, through like the reunions and stuff, the exact reason why, but there's a rift, and that's all we really know. Girl, now we know a lot more. So let's get into it. In 2015, okay, so oh, let me go back. Dina divorces Thomas. Okay, Dina Mando divorces Thomas, probably because he's a fucking nut job. Okay, and when she divorces Thomas, I don't know how much longer after this happens when Dean is not on the show. All right, she starts dating another guy. Dean is already off the show of Real Housewives now, and starts dating another man who she eventually marries. Well, in 2015. All right. Uh, it came out that this is not my words, okay? A soldier of the Lucchese crime family. <laughs> Girl. A soldier of the Lucchese crime family, which is a crime family up here in North Jersey, you know, mob ties, whatever you want to call it, uh, pled guilty to planning and carrying out an aggravated assault on Dina's new man. And her new man's husband's name is, last name is Canton. What the hell's the man's first name? David. David Canton. That's right. And so David Canton was out shopping. I think it was a shopping mall, right? Wait, hold on. Let me see exactly where it was. It was in Passaic County the county I live next to by the way um I'm trying to think where I think it was a shopping mall either way it doesn't really matter he was out and he got jumped and he got beaten up right and you know somebody said something like the guy that beat him up said something like you better watch out or watch what you're doing or watch some bullshit like that right well it came out in 2015 that the guy that did it is this guy connected to the Lucchese crime family, like I said. And he pleads guilty to doing it. He gets fucking caught. Now, the prosecutors that, you know, did alleged, the prosecutor alleged that Thomas Manzo, that they have proof that they find out 
found out that Thomas Manzo was the one that hired this hitman, his last name is Perna, to assault Dina's new man. So her ex-husband, the prosecutor has proof that he was responsible for hiring this hitman to fucking assault Dina's new man. Okay? Caroline's brother-in-law, these, the almighty manzos on their high horses. This is how they act. This is the fucking insanity, all right? At the time, by the way, that uh, David Canton was assaulted, Dina and him were just dating. They were not married yet. And it was said that this was this assault that Perna did, this crime family soldier, he did it in exchange for a deeply discounted wedding reception, which was held at, of course, the Brownstone. So they're like, oh, we'll give you a big discount if you just fuck this guy up. You believe this shit? Now, Perna, who is a made man, as they say in the Lucchese crime family, uh, was like, all right, this sounds good. So he carries it out and he plans this assault. The assault happened, just in case you want to know, on July 18th, 2015, so in the summer. And it wasn't just with him. It was also with a member of his crew, okay? They um, were armed with something. It's called a slapjack. What the fuck is a slapjack? Bitch, I got to look this up. <laughs> I'm not keen to this. What is a slap jack? I'm using like a reference I'm reading. Oh, it's a black leather slapper. It's a favorite used by security officers for generations. It's made out of beaver tail. Oh, yes. It's like this short little thing of leather. And you, Jesus Christ. So that's what they had on them. This poor guy. That's what they smack, beat the shit out of him with, this thing. So he does that with this guy from the crew, with one of his crew members, Perna. And then he gets a real lavish, ni- lavish nice wedding at the Brownstone a month later. How nice. With over 330 guests. And they say he only paid like a quarter of the price of what it would normally cost to have a wedding like that there. And the whole wedding is filled with members of the Lucchese crime family. This is what's going on. Again, I will add, with the mighty, you know, Manzo family. Okay, but we love to tell everyone else how they should be living. And we love to tell everyone else what's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, and this, according to the original indictment, Okay, Thomas was upset that David Canton had an ongoing relationship with his ex-wife, Dina. And so he's like, I'm going to plan to have a violent assault committed that would leave a permanent facial scar. This is what was they have evidence of him saying, I want a permanent scar on that fucker's face. So he knows, like, guys, like, just... Can we just, like, why is nobody talking about this on Bravo? And then there, we still got Caroline. And I know she's not immediately connected 
like she had nothing to do with planning this. If my if this inform by the way, this information didn't really come out until 2020, even though it happened five years prior. So if I was the fucking Manzo family, any one of those bitches, I would be with my head in the sand hiding from the public eye because I'd be so much shame, shame on me for this crazy fucked up shit. No, they're out there doing panels, talking, get lost. Uh, Anyway, this is why Italians get a bad name because of this fucking bullshit. Because you don't like that your ex-wife is dating someone else? Oh, like what? Anyway, you don't got nothing else going on in life you got to worry about. Stupid. Upsets me. So he's like, leave a scar on his face. I'm upset, right? So what happened is, yeah, they followed him. So this mob guy and his freaking lackey followed David Canton to a strip mall in Passaic County where they attacked him in the parking lot. That's what I thought. It's a strip mall. I just had to. Um, so the weapon that they use, the slapjack, the lawyers are saying, you know, that's a very dangerous weapon that could do a lot of damage. And so this was like, you know, could have even killed him if they hit him on the head in a certain way, you know, so... In a statement at the time, Thomas's lawyer said Mr. Perna, during his plea of guilty, never mentioned that he was involved in this activity directly or indirectly with Mr. Manzo. To me, this is evidence of exoneration for Mr. Manzo. So this is Thomas's attorney saying because Mr. Perna never said anything about Thomas Manzo when he was caught assaulting this guy they're like what how is Thomas Manzo even implicated in any of this bitch because we know because they did a whole indictment and they have proof about it okay now in 2017 we're gonna fast forward about two, almost two years it's one month so anyways that dude Perna gets indicted he gets indicted, he pleads guilty, the whole thing, da da da. And we find out from the papers that are released in 2020 that the prosecutors are like, fucking Thomas Manzo's tied to this, right? Why would they say that? Otherwise, it would just be somebody was assaulted. You just got robbed and beaten up, but he didn't get robbed. He didn't get robbed. He just got beaten up. Yeah, okay. And they, you know, the, it, they put it together because they saw how how much of a discount this motherfucker got a month later at the wedding from Thomas Man. Anyways, it happened. Stop trying to act like it didn't happen, bitch. It happened. Two years later, two thousand seventeen. Right? It's a month before Dina and David are about to get married because they're like, we don't care what my ex husband thinks. We're still doing this. A month before they get married, so this is June two thousand seventeen. The couple has a brutal home invasion happen to them in New Jersey. So it was May 2017. They were um, badly beaten, Dina and her soon-to-be husband. They were bound in their New Jersey home. Okay, it was a town home. Their personal belongings, including Dina's engagement ring, which was $60,000, were stolen. And in the aftermath, uh, David and Dina, 
who is mom to, you know, her daughter Lexi, who's now an adult from a previous relationship before Thomas Manzo even, moved permanently to the West Coast. So after this attack happened, they she was like, all of us, me, you, and my daughter Lexi are moving to the West Coast and getting the fuck out of New Jersey because now this is two times we've been attacked. And that is too much for it to be a coincidence. How many times in your life you've been attacked like this? How many times most people in their life been attacked like this? How about never most people? So the first arrest was made in the case in 2019. So it took a while for them to investigate what the fuck happened because at first they couldn't find out what, who did it and what. So in May 2019, Monmouth County, New Jersey prosecutor, uh, his name is Christopher Gramaccioni, <laughs> announced in a press release that James Manello had been taken into custody for his alleged involvement in the home invasion. And it was unclear at the time if Manello had retained legal representation or not, because there was no comment. All we knew was they had a guy. Following that news, David and Dina's attorney issued a statement on their behalf, commending the New Jersey law enforcement officers for their work on the case. Meanwhile, they're still living on the West Coast. They're like, we ain't coming to New Jersey. And they said, we're so grateful for New Jersey law enforcement. Then... In May 2021, so this is like this shit takes a while to link these things together. Uh, Thomas, the ex-husband, Thomas Manzo, was linked to the case for the first time. Not to the case with Perna, the assault, to the case with the home invasion where Dina got beaten as well. According to a press release in May, he was indicted, Thomas Manzo. Okay, alongside with Manello, the guy that actually did the invasion and beat them up, for his role as an accomplice uh, to first-degree robbery, second-degree burglary, second-degree aggravated assault, third-degree aggravated assault, third-degree theft, third-degree possession of a weapon for an unlawful purpose, and third-degree criminal restraint. Girl, her ex-husband. Years later, after she's already remarried, he's still coming after her and was involved in this invasion. Manzo, Caroline's brother-in-law. This comes out only a couple years ago. And Thomas was additionally charged as the sole conspirator or sole actor in two counts of fourth-degree stalking of Dina and David. <sighs> so, he's facing up, uh, Thomas and Manello are facing up to 20 years in a New Jersey state prison and an additional five to 10 years if convicted of the second degree aggravated assault. And I think they're probably going to get convicted of all the things. So his ass is going to go to prison for a long ass fucking time. Uh, So it's been years since the actual incident has happened. Remember, this shit didn't happen until 2017. Or it happened in 2017. And it's not until 2021 when all these indictments and things came. So this took them a while. 
um, we, the, this is from the lawyer. We have to wonder if this much effort would be put into creating a fictional case if the alleged victim was not a reality TV star. So this is the lawyer of Manello is basically trying to say that this is being blown up to even more and even bigger and the charges, you know, like they're throwing the book at these guys because she was a reality TV star and it's because it's gotten so much press. And so he's basically lawyer saying, like, bitch, we don't care if throw them in jail. They did it. Throw them in jail. And of course, Thomas Manzo's lawyer makes no statement. Of course not. So he was arrested, Thomas Manzo, right, for the involvement. Uh, not only f- he was arrested for the involvement of the burglary into the house invasion, but also finally he gets arrested for the involvement with uh, David Canton and Hiram Perna to assault David. So he gets, a- he gets arrested for both sides, okay? Now, how does this come into, we know that this Thomas Manzo is a piece of shit, right? He's also been ordered he cannot have any contact, obviously, with Dina and David unless their attorney is present with them. So, right. Now, how does this involve Caroline Manzo? Well, after his arrests in early 2020, Caroline spoke about the situation, telling, um, you know, people that she's heartbroken Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure, right? I'm sure you would be heartbroken. And she says, this is family on both sides. I want to know the truth. And my allegiance will lie with the truth. Bitch, what? Okay. Um, And then she goes on to say, we don't run from things like this. We address them, she added. And I feel comfortable with that because we are being painted with a brush that does not reflect who we are as people. Ma'am. Ma'am. How about you come out and say what a piece of shit your brother-in-law is? How about you come out and say Even you don't even have to say to the press, come out and say to your sister how terribly gutted you are for what the fuck happened to her and her fucking husband. How about you show empathy on how they're so goddamn scared for their lives because they have literal made men in crime families coming, being paid to come after them by their ex by her ex-husband. Like, how about you understand what that might fucking feel like? I don't even know if I'd stay in the United States if I had that crazy shit going on with an ex. And Caroline's like, we we are on the side of truth. Caroline, shut the fuck up. No wonder you sister don't talk to you. And that she's not the only one in that family that don't talk to her, by the way. So, you know, that's basically what she said. In a way, 
siding some type of way with the, with the brother-in-law. Not siding, saying, oh, yeah, he should have did a hit on him, like on my sister. But not necessarily condemning what he did. It's pretty shocking to me. And again, I think it comes from a place of like, she's just worried about how it makes her look. Maybe they're worried about their own businesses and stuff, suffering with this news coming out. Maybe it'll implement them in some crazy shit. The fuck no goes, that. that's what the brother does. What does the other brother do? And there was times in old seasons of The Real Housewives of New Jersey where it was brought up how Caroline's brother, or sorry, husband, Albert Manzo, was a connected person. And they would act like, oh, yeah, okay. That's what you're going to say. You're going to try to discredit my family. And then that was way before all this shit came out. Bitch, somebody was hitting the nail pretty close on the head. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying just because one brother does something means the other brother is guilty as well. But when you're involved in circles like that and your brother is involved with circles like that and you are in business with your brother and these people are having their events at your catering venue like you know what the fuck is going on you you know maybe not every single little you know things don't act stupid like you're so naive to it so that's why all those years ago, when you started having these rifts where Dina wasn't talking to Caroline. Now, this was before she was attacked and shit on the show. But it stems from this allegiance that Caroline kind of had with the man, with, you know, obviously her husband and the brother-in-law. And Dina always felt like she was siding with them, with the Manzos, with her, with her ex, more than... With her own sister. (sighs) Snakes, I'm telling you. They're all snakes. All of them. Now, there's more. Are you ready? Are you ready? There's more. Are you ready? Uh, So, in 2021, May, there was a hearing for Thomas Manzo and this whole nonchalance. And... The defense attorney for Thomas Manzo had dozens of letters from people that written in support of him. You know, they do that to like try to make the person look good. Look at all these people that are willing to vouch for him that he's a good person. And one of those letters was from Miss Caroline Manzo. Oh, and she called Thomas kind-hearted and caring. Ma'am. Like, if this shit doesn't get any worse. Now, days later, Dina's friend, okay, her good friend Luke McKibben, shares an Instagram post slamming Caroline, this is in 2021, for her support of Thomas because of this letter. McKibben shared a photo of Caroline and her brother-in-law, Thomas, with the words, thick as thieves, written above it. Oh, and Dina didn't tell him to take it down. Dina's like, leave it up. And you know what, Dina? Good for you. 
Good for you for bringing it to light that you, your boyfriend at the time was assaulted by a maid guy that was hired by your, your Caroline's brother-in-law. And then again with the invasion who beat the shit out of you and tied you up and robbed you. And your sister is writing letters saying he's kind-hearted and caring. What the f- actual fuck? Probably because she's scared shit herself for her and her own family. Because otherwise, I don't know why else somebody would do something like that. Other than they're looking out for their own self and their own family. And they want to make sure that they keep people happy. Because why else would you do that? And so now we all know. We all know now this has all, you know, come out over the last couple years. And McKibben says, you know, he's been around for the whole time. And he says, you know, for years I've sat by, this is Dina's good friends, and watched Dina. I think he was also her assistant for a while. He says, for years I sat by and watched Dina take the high road over and over again. Because even on the show, Dina didn't mention the beating up of the boyfriend and all this stuff. You know, she stayed silent for many reasons, but mainly out of respect for her family. There's a million things I could have said throughout the years and spoken up to defend her, but she forbid me to say a word. But I can't stay silent while others continue to talk to help keep their relevance. You will reap what you sow. <gasps> Lukey McKibben. Good for you. So now we know. Even Dina's daughter Lexi commented on that Instagram post saying someone had to say it. Oh. So all these clips you see of Miss Caroline Manzo, like on Watch What Happens Live or whatever, talking about this is family. This is family. My sister Dina needs to just grow up. She wasn't there for all these events. Lauren had a baby. This one, that one. Bitch, I wouldn't be there either. Lauren and the baby and all that, those are casualties of fucking war. Sorry. But you are right up there mixed up with these people that attacked me. Like what, Caroline? And for years she had me fooled. I'm like, yeah, what's wrong with Dina? Get a lot. Like, what the, what's her, what stick, what's up her, bug crawled up her ass and died. Now I'm like, holy shit. You see when you get all the context of things? Now, Albie Manzo, you know who Albie is if you watch the shows, The Son of Caroline. He has that podcast for a while now. He gets his ass involved, of course, because, you know, he's got a podcast. He wants to talk about it. And he discussed the drama on his podcast. His podcast is called Dear Albie. And because he chose to discuss the drama, Dean is like, fuck, I got to fucking, you know, now I got to really talk about this. And she had to speak out against her nephew, which is something she never wanted to do, which is why for all these years we didn't even know this shit was going on. She kept quiet. Now it's forcing her to come out. And she says she's not shocked that Albie chose to talk about all this shit on his podcast because he's getting downloads. <sighs> and um, unfortunately, this was just a storyline for him to profit off of. 
What a shame. And I'm sure he did. I'm sure he got a lot of downloads on this subject on his podcast. Um, He also, of course, supported his mother, which I wouldn't expect him to do anything else. Um, And he said on one of his posts uh, regarding his mom, he says, before anyone gets excited that someone with the last name Manzo posted something, So this is your clown ass chance to leave a baseless comment like you think you know something, he wrote. Weird. I haven't been silent. I've been busy, he added. I think because people were asking him, like, do you have something to say about all this shit going on? Uh, I haven't been silent. I've been busy, he added. But I've had just about enough of all this bullshit. Oh, like we give a shit, Albie, if you've had enough. Oh, we don't care. And you'll be hearing from me soon. Don't you worry. Bitch, we ain't worried. <laughs> Albie. Great name, by the way. I'm going to name my kid Albie. In the meantime, Mama Bear, you're the strongest woman I know. I love and admire you more than you'll ever understand. Now listen. I don't blame Albie for Devin and his mother. It's his mother. I don't really implement Caroline Manzo into knowing anything that went on with her sister, which I'm sure she didn't. Where Caroline messed the fuck up is when she wrote a letter in defense of Thomas Manzo. Like, how fucking grotesque. How grotesque. And she also messed up with her weird cryptic statement after Thomas was arrested. Like, not really condemning him. But I could kind of understand if she's, you know, maybe she's like, maybe she's a bit afraid to come out and completely condemn the guy too. But who knows if they're willing to do that? You don't know. I just think it's funny How people who acted on the show like they were so much smarter, so much more mature, so much better than people like Teresa or whoever else, fucking Danielle Staub. And I'm not defending other people's actions, but when you are going to come from a place of on a high horse, quite frankly, you better make sure that fucking horse is high and you're not sitting on a goddamn donkey or a pony or something. Because I feel like that's what they're doing. Acting like they're on their high horses and bitch, they're sitting on a, a toy pony. Because look at this shit that they're connected to as well. And look at the responses, disgrace. How do you say in Italian? My mother said disgrazia, like disgrace. So that's the drama. That's the drama. And, you know, the reason why Dina, and she talks about it in length, she has, didn't want to be in the wedding, supposedly, is because she just doesn't really like coming back to New Jersey. It scares the shit out of her. She did it for the engagement party because the engagement party was like an obscure thing that nobody knew when it was happening. It wasn't a public event. But Teresa's wedding, the information about it was leaked. Thank you, Ramona Singer. And so people knew when it was happening and where it was happening. And Dina says, when that happened, I was really afraid to show up. And I don't blame her. I don't blame her. 
So according to Teresa, you know, her and Dina didn't have any kind of a falling out. Teresa said last night in the pod, in the reunion that she didn't love the timing of it. She wished she would have known a little bit sooner that Dina wasn't coming with, with her husband. But, but there's no bad blood there. There's no issue. Zero issue. But then again, you got to have stupid ass Melissa Gorga. See, this is why it's important to know all the context. You got to have, yeah, Melissa Gorga sitting there on that chair on the reunion saying, ah, 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 that's not what, it's because Joe said he talks to David and David had bad dealings with Louie and that's why. Maybe David did. Who knows? We don't know. But if Dina Manzo says she ain't coming because she don't feel comfortable coming now that the wedding information was made public, I believe that after all this. Two things could be true at both times, but, uh, you know, who cares, Melissa? Who cares, Joe Gorga? Why'd you even have to bring it up on the show? You know all that those people have been fucking dealt with and gone through. You're going to bring his name up publicly on a fucking national TV show? That's a dick move also, just for your own fucking, uh, you know, benefit to make you look better or to make your sister look worse. Bitch, leave that family's name out of your mouth. They've been through enough. Getting attacked twice now by made men. Anyways, that's the whole story with Dina Manzo. Fucking crazy, isn't it? Now when I see Caroline Manzo on anything, like most recently the page six episode or interview, and she's like, I didn't call the FBI, but I was there. Go away forever, Caroline Manzo. All of you guys, you should be with your heads in the sand, flying under the radar, ashamed of the stain that your piece of shit uncle put on all of you guys. We don't want to hear from you no more. Go off into the New Jersey sunset. Thank you. Let's talk about Frank Catania now. Now. If you don't know who Frank Catania is, he's the ex-husband of Dolores Catania on the show, Real Housewives of New Jersey. And he's got an interesting storyline as well that played out while the show was filming and Dolores was on it. But they really, they really don't talk much about it. It was addressed during, I believe it was a reunion episode, which was they were filming when this all came out. But it's really been kept hush-hush, and on the show, it's not talked about a ton. I mean, Dolores did address it here or there, and then they just move on and act like nothing happened. Let me just say this. It is a big motherfucking deal for a lawyer to get disbarred, which is what happened to Frank Catania, all right? Uh, In fact, right now, let me just Google. Let's Let's just be dumb. And just say, is it bad for a lawyer <laughs> to get disbarred? <laughs> See what it comes up? Okay. Dis, uh, disbarment and sanctions. Okay. If a state bar association, so in this case, the New Jersey State Bar, uh, catches... Oh, this is if you get caught practicing law while you're disbarred, you could face jail time. Okay. 
what is the most con what hold on hold on hold on so we know it re it's the removal of an attorney's license to practice law each state is a little bit different but basically they all you have to do some serious serious issues going on misconduct attorney misconduct or multiple times attorney misconduct not just one time it happening it could be a collection of times before a state will will you know disbar you because it takes forever to become a fucking lawyer to begin with so like in the case of uh what's her name over there in california oh god erica jane and and you know her husband and Girardi and how he's been disbarred, though it took them a long ass time, but because of all his dealings, he got disbarred. So you don't get disbarred because uh, you fucked up your paperwork and you forgot to submit a thing in there, although it can hold, be held against you. It, you have to really do some fucked up shit that's like blatantly now this is against our whole thing to get disbarred. So I just want to come out and say that it's not like a technicality to get disbarred. You fucked up big time to get disbarred, which is what we're going to talk about here. So like I said, he's the ex-husband of Dolores. Uh, they hadn't been divorced for, I don't know, a really long time since the kids, her two, their two kids were little, which they're now grown adults. Uh, he was cheating on Dolores left and right. He was some kinds of bodybuilding champion back in the 80s and stuff. Uh, I know on the show, I think it was said he was either Miss Universe or Mr. Uh, Miss Universe, Mr. Universe or Mr. Olympia or Mr. Some kind of bodybuilding championship. And I tried to Google the proof of that. Bitch, I can't find any proof where it comes up showing that he was one of the like nothing i'm not saying it didn't happen but i tried to like pull up the exact date and year that this man supposedly won these competitions because i wanted to just mention it i can't find it anywhere there's really not a ton of information on frank catania's bodybuilding career just saying just saying so, but he is definitely a bodybuilder. I mean, you just look at him and tell. But anyways, he owns, uh, nowadays he owns some a gym or two, some gyms around the state of New Jersey. And I think maybe Florida, or he's trying to get a gym in Florida, I read, or something. And then real estate, buys and sells and flips real estate. So that's what he's doing now. So let's talk about the drama that we really want to know about the disbarment what did this motherfucker do because everybody on the real housewives fans i should say thought this guy was so great and i think dolores like i said doesn't do a good job of really saying he's a sleaze he's a sleaze can we move on from talking about frank catania he's a bit of a sleaze i'm sorry she probably says it because it's her kid's father and she doesn't want her kids to think their father's a sleazeball because you want your kids to have a good, you know, relationship with their dad and stuff. But he did some sleaze shit. Big time sleaze shit. It's time we talk about it again. All right, so. News comes out during a reunion taping. I hope you could hear me. I changed my position. Let me move this mic a little bit. 
So the news comes out during a taping that Frank has been disbarred, right? And Andy Cohen asks Dolores about it. Was it either a reunion or, an, or Watch What Happens Live? I can't remember, but I remember it happening. So he asks uh, Dolores, Andy asks Dolores, about the status of his lawyerism. Is that a thing? <laughs> Andy's like, so Dolores, hold on, I gotta plug my phone in. Just one second. One second. Gonna be a mess. Here we go. So Andy asks Dolores, like, what's up? What's with the status? And they find out from Dolores, he has indeed been disbarred. She admits to it um, from the public records of the Supreme Court of New Jersey. So it was the decision to disbar Frank Catania. Uh, he was a lawyer, by the way. He started to practice law in 1991, and he mainly practiced law when it had to do with real estate, because in the state of New Jersey, you need a lawyer. They call it attorney review when you buy any piece of real estate property. A lawyer has to review the documents. This is not the case in a lot of other states. I know this because when I was in Colorado and we bought a house and it was so goddamn easy, we were like, Don't, isn't there other things you got to do? And they're like, no, what are you talking about? And I'm like, a lawyer? And they're like, no, what are you talking about? So this is a New Jersey thing. Uh, I've also been a homeowner in New Jersey as well. So yeah, New Jersey, you need a lawyer. So that's mainly what Frank did, okay? So that in 1991. Well, in August of 2017, the uh, decision to bar Frank Catania became, a, you know, was decided upon, but it didn't become effective until November of that year, some months later. We don't know why there was this lapse in time from August until November for it to actually happen if you want my guess, it's because the New Jersey court system, along with anything else that's in the government over here, takes fucking forever. So that's probably why. Red tape paperwork. So by November 2017, he is disbarred. Okay? He admitted... Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Oop, sorry. So in 2010, this is what happened, and he admits to all this, by the way. Mr. Catania didn't contest any of it. In 2010, he represented a couple and the couple's and the husband's mother. So the couple's, um, the mother-in-law or the mother of the one guy, the husband's mother. And he represented, so it was the three of them. He represented a couple and a mother because it was an elderly mother in a real estate deal uh, that required a grant from the state due to the property's location. I don't really understand what that is, and I thought about looking into it, and I'm like, eh, whatever. Maybe it was on historical land. Maybe it's on a piece of property that is considered, like, protected land. I don't know. But due to the property's location, it required a special grant, okay, for whatever reason. So the couple signed a deal to purchase the home, they were looking to buy it, but they discovered uh, when they needed to buy title insurance, that was going to be $190,000, and it had to be placed in an escrow account to secure their payment, okay? On the day of the closing, Wells Fargo Bank wired, this is a very specific amount I'm about to say, $287,212.80, 
So we'll say 290,000. Wells Fargo Bank wired to Frank Catania's trust account and he credited the transfer to his client. The $190,000 payment remained in a trust account during this time. Okay. Frank, so, and all of this is like, I used to actually have my, um, I had my real estate license in New Jersey, but I never sold real estate. I did it because I was a broker's assistant and I had to have a New Jersey real estate license to sign checks and different shit that I had to do for her. But I don't remember half the shit I learned, but I did have the license at one time, but I didn't, I don't know. So some of this is, but this is what I'm reading, okay? So the $190,000 payment for the title insurance remained in a trust account during this time. Frank then cut a check to an amount to an, I'm sorry, Frank then cut a check to an account, Catino Fitness, because you know he owns gyms and shit, for $150,000 in December of 2010, using the monies from the trust account. So, that $100,090 that was put in this trust that had to be done for escrow because of the insurance and blah, 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 blah. He's like, hmm, I'm going to use $150,000 of that one ninety dollars to pay Catino Fitness, probably because he was trying to do, buy a gym, re-renovate a gym, something with a gym, because that's what he does. Can you believe me? Now, this is a no, 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 no. You don't get to touch that money. That is the, that is your client's money that's in a trust account. This is He knows this is a no-no. This isn't a case of like, oh, I didn't know I couldn't do that. No way. And he's been a lawyer since 1991, a real estate lawyer at that, closed hundreds of homes, it says. This motherfucker knew the shit's illegal to do when he did it. But clearly he was desperate for some cashola. And people do crazy shit when they're desperate for cash and they overextend themselves. Haven't we learned this on the show? We got people serving time from the Real Housewives of New Jersey right now because of this shit. So anyway, cuts the check. The memo line contained the notion, the client's name, and Frank Catania recorded the disbursement on the redacted client ledger card. Noting that Catino Fitness was owned by Anthony Rotino and had no connection to the sale of the house, of course. And the purpose of the $150,000 disbursement was to cover the gym's payroll. Oh, I'm thinking he bought it. It was to cover the payroll. So maybe this was a gym that he was part owner in or he wanted to help this guy. I don't know. We're going to find out. But it was to cover the payroll because they couldn't pay their employees. Okay, here we go. So, days later, he cut another check, Frank, to a law firm for legal fees, although they did not provide any services for the real estate sale. So, rather, they were services rendered to a Harley-Davidson business owned by Frank and Rotino again together. So, now he's cutting another check from that same trust account, to pay for legal fees for a business he's gotten going on with a Harley Davidson. 
fucking franchise. What? These people. <sighs> so now a random audit. A random audit of Frank's firms shows records. They were announced in June 6, 2012, and it took place on June 25th. So this was all found out because of a random audit, which sometimes happens. And during the audit, the investigator found that Frank did not keep running balances on his client's ledger cards. And two accounts came up short, one short 10 grand and another short $500. The investigator determined that the $10,000 gap was due to the check Frank cut to the law firm, which wasn't listed on the closing, the Harley-Davidson fucking business dealing. At that point, the investigator told Frank to deposit the money within two weeks. He was like, you better put that money back in that account now. I give you two weeks. But Frank failed to meet the deadline. So he later wrote a letter to the investigator on July 5th saying that the shortage resulted from a mistake made in advising the client the total amount of funds needed for the closing. But that was later found to be untrue. So Frank just tried to cover up the fact that he was using their money for a lie. And they're like, "Mm, that's not true. He said that his clients let him move the funds to his own accounts as loans and that he should have replaced the money sooner. So he's saying that his clients were aware this whole time that he was using the funds um, and that he was going to put it back. I was going to put it all back. I just didn't get a chance and he should have done it sooner. Sure, Frank. This was then reviewed by eight members of the Disciplinary Review Board And they chose to disbar him, all eight members. Um, It says one member did not participate. Okay. So Dolores then later admitted uh, to the press that the first time she heard about the disbarment was from Andy Cohen, Cohen himself when he brought it up on that reunion or whenever it was. She had never, she had no idea it was even going on uh, or that it even happened. And she didn't believe the disbarment. So at first she says, this isn't true. He's he's a lawyer. He didn't get disbarred. And, And she didn't believe any of the stuff that was going on while he was being audited. She didn't know anything about any of it. He never told her what was going on for years. He was being audited from this. Frank didn't tell her a thing about it and didn't know... Um, the footage of him being disbarred was recorded because there is footage of Frank Catania. If you go out there on the Googles and look, there is footage of him in the courtroom during the proceedings. And when that is going on, Dolores doesn't even know that he's in a courtroom being disbarred when he's getting disbarred. Oh, she don't even know about it. Uh, the kids didn't know he didn't know nobody knew he was being disbarred. He led them to continue to believe he was still practicing law. How embarrassing. Then again, Dolores, who cares is your ex-husband? Don't be embarrassed. Now my question is is like, 
was the rest of his dealings investigated? Because there is no way on God's green earth that that was the first time that that man ever did that. If he's been practicing law since 1991, there is no fucking way that's the first time he did that. None. But I don't think any other time has been investigated, and this one was only caught because it was a random audit that caught it. And even if these people gave him the permission and said, you can use our money and then just make sure it's back, let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's friends with these people. They were nice. They said, go ahead. He knows that bitch ain't allowed to do. Even if you are given permission, that is illegal to do. He knows he can't do that without potential repercussions. Just get a regular loan from them then. So that's some bullshit. Now, <clears throat> there's some more shit I found out about Frank Catania. <gasps> there's a Reddit thread, isn't there always? There's a Reddit thread um, about Frank Catania and having a drug, a past issue with drugs. So he was busted and charged in 1988. So this was a long time ago. It's not as big of a deal, in my opinion, as being barred, but we're going to read about it. Um, He was busted and charged in 1988 with possession of cocaine and possession of cocaine with the intent to distribute. Uh Uh-oh. He pled guilty to that. Was on probation. Um, In 1991, he admitted... uh, I'm sorry. Never mind. That's when he became a lawyer. Um, so that's, hold on. Where's this other thing I saw? Hold on, sorry. Oh, he was sentenced to three years probation. Three years probation. That's a long time. Because of the fact that he pled guilty to also, uh, the intent to distribute, to sell the cocaine. But it was the 80s and everyone was doing coke. But because he pled guilty also to the intent to distribute, he got three years probation. Um, He got again convicted for drug use in 1991. But I don't know what happened because also in 1991, he was admitted to, you know, practice law and he graduated from the University of Delaware. So I don't know, but there you go. Three years probation. You know, you could say it was young and dumb, but I thought I'd just add that little tidbit in because I didn't know about it, but somebody found it on the Reddits. Um, This person also on Reddit is just bringing up the fact that, you know, a lot of people talk about Teresa and Louie and this crooked thing and that crooked thing, but how there's a lot of other people that have been on that cast with a lot of crooked stories, as we know now. I'm telling you them. Nobody's hands are clean. For Christ's sake. <sighs> now, also, um, this person's also calling for production to dig into Frank's past more. But I think Frank, in my opinion, is either going to be phased out of the show pretty much completely, if the show even continues. I don't know what's going on with that show. I don't think you're going to see a ton of Frank anymore at all, unless he's on the show and his girlfriend 
Brittany gets cast on the show because Miss Brittany, Frank's current girlfriend, and Miss Rachel Fuda, the new cast member on the show, are like bested friends. They're best of friends. And so wouldn't it be interesting if they cast Brittany and now you see a lot more Frank and Tanya? I don't know. You're either going to see more of him or he's going to be gone. That's my opinion of Frank and Tanya. Um, because Dolores has implemented over the course of her time on the show that it wasn't just Frank cheating and stuff, but there was major amounts of verbal abuse. And also she has implied Dolores potentially physical moments with Frank Catania. It's kind of very quickly brushed over, but Dolores has discussed these things. Um, and it seems like people are easy to look over it because he's funny and goofy and, you know, acts like he cares so much. But I think that there was, he was a really, really harsh person. Uh, and it's just now in his senior years that he's calmed down just because he's older. But I think he was pretty rough on Dolores and the kids, quite honestly. But they just don't like publicly, you know, talking about it. Because um, Dolores has said things about Frank, how he was an animal at home. She's described him as an animal and how nothing she did, Dolores, was good enough for him. He was always coming down on her. Um, Dolores's mother has also mentioned the screaming, that he was a screamer, and things like furniture being broken in the home, um, and how things were rough and violent at times. Her mother, her own mother talks about that. So I don't know why Frank Catania is painted with such a rosy brush on the Real Housewives of New Jersey. I don't know why. Trying to fucking rack my brain as to why. Uh, and, you know, you, you can't fully blame the viewer because it's, these are things that are very quickly brushed over. But I feel like it should be, the production should have delved deeper into that instead of used him as such a funny character. Um... And it's it's surprising that so many people are like, what? But then again, it's like, well, you wouldn't because how would you know? Um, and so that's basically it. I'm trying to think if there was another thing about Frank. That's basically it with Frank. But isn't that enough? Isn't it enough? And like I said, if someone was willing to do this as a lawyer, like he's done it before. It's not like this is the, you know what I'm saying? He has done this before. He just got caught this time. And there's probably no one else complaining right now. He did it with my account. He did not because probably he was able to get the money back in there before these people even realized he was using their money. Um, guarantee you he did that shit before. Guarantee you. So there you go. That's the story of Frank and Tanya, everyone. Let's talk about Jacqueline Lorita for a minute. Let me get a drink. Hold on. So, if you didn't know, Jacqueline Lorita was a cast member on the show. She was one of the original cast members of The Real Housewives of New Jersey. She is the sister-in-law to Dina and Caroline Manzo. She is married to their brother, Chris Lorita. So you see how they're all intertwined. 
Uh, Teresa is very best friends and was very best friends with Dina at the time. So you had the three, you know, family members, Caroline, Dina, and Jacqueline. Then you had Teresa, the best friend of Dina. And then through that friendship with Dina, Teresa became close with Caroline and especially Jacqueline. Now, I'm not going to get into all the drama of why Jacqueline left and the fights between Jacqueline and Teresa and Melissa and Jacqueline. It's too much. It's too much. All I'm going to say is at one point for many, many years, Teresa and Jacqueline were hated each other's guts. They started out very, very close, good friends, and it turned bad and turned into hating each other's guts on the show, like sometimes happens on Real Housewives shit, right? But recently, like in the past few months, Teresa and Jacqueline, after years of fucking hating each other and talking shit on each other in the press, rekindled their friendship. They're posting pictures of each other on Instagram in Las Vegas together, which is where Jacqueline lives now. And Teresa was on Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen saying that the reason they connected is because Teresa was thinking a lot about Jacqueline because they used to be very close, right? And Jacqueline has a autistic son named Nicholas and Teresa now has an autistic stepson named Nicholas. And it made her think a lot about Jacqueline. And so she decided to reach out when Teresa was taking a trip to Las Vegas And they rekindled their friendship. Now, when Teresa tells this to Andy Cohen, Andy is fucking shocked because he's like, get the fuck out of here. You two hated each other's guts for years. The shit you said about each other, vile shit. You're friends now. And Teresa's like, time heals all wounds. That's how it is. Andy's like, "Uh, this doesn't have to do with a mutual dislike or hatred for Melissa Gorka. Because Jacqueline hates Melissa Gorga too. They had their own beef as well. And Teresa's like, no, honest to God, nothing to do with anything like that. This is because I just it felt like it was time. Girl, okay, sure. What we want to talk about now, though, is what Jacqueline is saying about this FBI shit with Melissa Gorga and Joe Gorga. So... Not that long ago, Caroline Manzo was doing some kind of like page six something. And she was like her and her daughter, Lauren Manzo, are sitting up there on stage and they're doing like a question and answer thing. And Caroline reveals, I know who called the FBI. I was in the room and I got my kids up when I saw what was going down and I walked my kids out of that house. And I was nothing to do because I don't want nothing to do with it. I don't want any part of any of it. And I never said nothing. I kept my mouth shut. And I took the blame from Teresa for years, blaming me, having something to do with her going to jail or calling the FBI. But I know who it was, but I'm never going to say. This is what Caroline Manzo comes out with just a couple weeks ago. Well, Teresa knew about this. This isn't the first time Teresa heard this story. Jacqueline Lorita, when they met up and became all chummy buddies, came up with this story to Teresa. So, Teresa says that Jacqueline has firsthand knowledge, or really it's Jacqueline says it, has firsthand knowledge that Joe Judice, 
I'm sorry, that Joe Gorga was involved with discussions with the FBI in resulting in eventually getting his sister put in prison. Oh, so Jacqueline says she knows. I'm guessing she's referring to this conversation that was had that Caroline Manzo was also referring to. That Joe Gorga or the Gorgas were involved with talking to the ex-business partner of Joe Judice, feeding him some kind of information that would be eventually used against them. Now, more of this is still to come out in the reunion. I think we're waiting for it. It's one of the big only things we're waiting for. Um, so... I'm thinking they were all sitting there one day together and somebody either admitted to sharing information with this business partner like Joe Gorka or whatever, or somebody was talking about how they were going to go to the business partner with information, or maybe the business partner was even there in the room or they admit something. But I don't think Jacqueline Lorita just made this shit up out of thin air. I think that there is some weight and truth to what she is saying. Whether or not it actually resulted in Teresa and Joe getting in prison, I don't know. I don't know. You'd have to have the FBI say how they really know. Probably what happened is the business partner started getting investigated by the FBI himself. And then he, to save his own ass, which is what Teresa says in the reunion, was probably like, oh, I'll give you some information that I've recently found out, maybe through the Gorgas, like what Jacqueline's referring to, to try and get my ass off the hook. And I think it's probably something like that that went down. Now, a long time ago, uh, I had read something that Chris Lorita, Jacqueline's husband, that he had something to do with giving information to the feds that he nudged the feds in the direction of the Judices. Because he, at the time, Chris Lorita, was being sued for misappropriating business funds and personal, as his business funds. As, he was misappropriating business funds as his personal funds. As one does when you're on the cast of Real Housewives of New Jersey. Oh my God. So, but that's just a rumor. I mean, he was being sued for misappropriation of funds, but it's a rumor that's saying to get the heat off him, he nudged the feds in the direction, which I don't know. But that's been a rumor too. Also, same thing goes with the Gorgas, that someone was coming down on them, and so they put the information, mainly Joe, onto Joe Judice. They're like passing the buck. It's like playing hot potato. Who's, who could take the heat and get in trouble? That's basically what it sounds like went on in that group, a game of hot potato. And Teresa and Joe were the ones that got caught with the fucking potato. <sighs> Anyways. So that's why Jacqueline's name is being mentioned so much these days. Is because she's basically the one that's coming out and saying... Um, 
Yeah, I was in the room. We were there. We were there when this conversation was going down. Ah, Caroline, though, she has very high standards. And she said she got right up and walked right out because she's not going to be involved in any kind of way in any kind of discussions involving feds. Sure. So, uh, you know, I guess time we got to finish watching the rest of the housewives to see what the fuck's going to go on with this information about this, you know, the feds. But I've said it, I mean, I, I don't think Jacqueline is completely making it up. But what I do think with Jacqueline is that in past seasons, if you watched, again, it's too much, I can't go over all of it. But she very much, Jacqueline, gets herself wrapped up in these dramas, especially in particularly these like online sleuthing, digging up information about people type dramas to the point where like her husband, Chris, even multiple times would say things to her like, you got to stop. You got to stop. Like, just live your life. Like, why are you trying putting all your effort and energy into exposing this one or exposing that one? Like, just stop it. So I do think she has a tendency to fall down rabbit holes and then the ability to like think, is this worth it? Is it going to help anything? Is it going to just falls out the window? And then it just becomes like looking for any kind of negative information. But at the same time, I don't think she's fully makes shit up out of the fucking clear blue sky. I don't think she's a liar. I think she'll just listen to anyone that gives her any kind of information and will take it as fact that's what I think she does if it fits her rationalizing why she doesn't like somebody do you know what I mean so I think that's what goes on there and I'm interested to see I mean at the end of the day Teresa and Joe put themselves in jail because they they broke the laws okay But it would be nice to know if her brother had anything to do with helping the information that put them in the jails. I would think that would be a nice piece of information to know. I don't know. I have a feeling we ain't ever going to know that. Because Teresa's going to say, this is what I was told. And they're going to say, that's a lie. And that's that's all we're going to get out of it. So why are we even saying it? If we know that somebody's going to just come back with, that's a lie... Why do we say it? Unless we have proof, why do we even say it? Oh, anyways, that's it. That's with Jacqueline. There's a lot more with Jacqueline. Her ex-husband's crazy, and he's been arrested for a million different kinds of things. Recently, with arson. But that's ex-husband from a very long time ago. But her husband, like I said, sued for all different kinds of things with the funds, monies, failed businesses, they ain't on the show no more so it's like whatever but that's why Jacqueline's name is being brought up again I'm sure she's on a million and one different podcasts and different blogs talking about she's known as well all right guys I had about enough of talking about these stupid people Hey guys, I just wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode of the Annoyed Lemon Podcast. I truly appreciate all your support. If you wanted to reach out to me, my email is annoyedlemontt 
at proton.me. You can reach out to me there. You can also reply each episode to the little question that I put attached to the episode. There's a reply button and send me a message there. I cannot reply back, but I will be reading some of these messages in the next episode on the podcast. And I for sure read every single one in private. So you can also support this podcast by sharing it with your friends and family and coworkers. That's probably one of the best ways you can support the podcast if you wanted to. So thank you. And finally, there is a new feature here on Spotify for podcasters called listener support. You can click on that if you feel moved to do so. And that is a monthly monetary amount that you choose that you want to help support the podcast with. And it's totally not necessary, but it's highly appreciated if you choose to do so. And I will give you a shout out personally in the next episode. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much if you choose to do that. So. All right, guys, again, thanks so much for all of your support. I love it. And I love to see where this podcast is going to go in the future. And I'm glad that you're here with me to watch it grow. Thanks.